before us. So I ask you guys to just reach your arms out to her. Let's bless her. Father, we thank you for Lori. We thank you for the word you've placed within her heart, Father. We ask you, Lord, to see you continue to move greatly in her life and to move deeply, Father. God, to continue to give her greater and greater discernment and revelation. In Jesus' name, so Father, we ask that your plans and purposes come forth and that your kingdom be made whole. In Jesus' name, Father, your kingdom come. And Father, we thank you and we praise you. Amen. Amen. I've had a, I've had the pleasure of knowing Lori. She's known me from probably long, ever since probably I knew her. Yeah, I've known she she knew me before I I knew her probably. So, <laughs> but uh, and I got this, you know, and and I remember even as a, you know, as a, a young man seeing and knowing Lori, and I always thought to myself that Lori had a uh, uh, that Lori was going to use her mightily someday. And I remember thinking that, and it's been fun to see the Lord how she has, she's really stepped up and just became a, a powerful leader and just really proclaiming the gospel wherever she goes. So it's been really a, a big blessing. So be blessed. Well, good morning, everyone. (laughs) All right. Oh, yes. Um, We're going to dismiss the children down to their classes right now. Father, we just bless these kids as they go to their classes and just open their hearts to receive all that you have for them, Lord Jesus. We thank you for these precious ones. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the title of... My message is Igniting Holy Fire and Keeping It Burning. Um, I have a few questions for you, and it may sound like one of those cheesy infomercials at first, but (laughs) bear with me. Um, Do you want to be ignited with holy fire? Do you want the power of the Holy Spirit to be ablaze in your heart? Do you want to have the strength to overcome temptation that leads to sin? Do you desire to have more boldness in witnessing for the Lord? Would you like to know how to pray for each situation that you are faced with? Do you want more joy and peace in your life? And finally, do you desire to be completely in God's will? Completely? Amen. (laughs) Um, Ephesians 5, 15 through 20 says, Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So... Ephesians 5, 15-20. So the word says to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, right? So if I were to go up to Sue and I were to say, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. I say to Nicole, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Cliff, do not fear for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And Leslie, if I were to say to you, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. And um, 
for Stacy. This is for everybody, but I'm just using an example. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and discipline. So how does that make, how do you think that makes people feel when we're speaking these things to them? It uplifts them, right? And empowers them. Amen. So that's what the Lord is telling us to do here. Um, And we're stirring others up. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we can't help but be uplifting to and encouraging to one another. Amen. It just pours out of us because when the Holy Spirit fills you, it's never just a little bit. He doesn't just give you a little drop, does he? He just floods you, and it just overflows from you when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. But we can't always rely on other people to stir us up. Sometimes we have to do it ourselves, and that's what the Bible says, to stir ourselves up. 2 Timothy 1.6 says, to stir up the gift that is within you. Stir up in the Greek means to kindle afresh or to keep in full flame. If you want to be ignited with the fire of the Holy Spirit, it's your responsibility to seek out the flame. It's my responsibility to seek out the flame. The fire of the Holy Spirit is burning and it is alive. And no one can do it for us. We must go to him and we must ask him for his fire. Luke 11.13 says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So we know that if we're going to give good gifts to our children, right, and we don't have it all together, how much more is God the Father if we go to ask him for something? Is he going to just pour out everything and above and beyond what we could ever ask? If you are a believer and have made Jesus the Lord of your life, the gift of the Holy Spirit is already yours. But he is a gentleman, and he will not force his way in. He needs and wants to be invited. And once you've asked him to come in, then you need to yield to him. That sometimes can be the hard part because our flesh wants to get in the way, oftentimes. But we need to get out of his way, and we need to let him ignite the fire until it consumes us. He's already lit the fire, and it's up to us now. It's up to you. It's up to me. How much do you want it? We'll talk a little bit more about that part in a little bit. So there are three things needed in order to build a fire. We need fuel, we need spark, and we need oxygen, right? The first element is fuel, and we commonly use wood. We get the wood or kindling all properly placed and set, and that's for a natural fire. For holy fire, we need fuel as well. Does anybody know what the fuel might be for holy fire? Amen. The word of God. Yep. We begin by receiving the word, which is Jesus. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that had been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Hallelujah. So we must receive Jesus into our hearts and make him Lord of our lives. And then we need to be daily reading the word of God, the Bible, so that we have the necessary fuel, the necessary scripture deep down within us. I know sometimes we can sit down and read the scripture, and it may not speak to you at all, like you don't have any understanding, or they're just kind of words sometimes. But that's where the next aspect of building the fire comes into play. 
The next element we need to start the fire is a spark. In the natural, we use a match or a lighter. Some people still like to rough it with flint and a stone. (laughs) Not me. (laughs) Um, But whatever you use, there's a spark that ignites the fuel. The Holy Spirit is a spark that ignites the, the, the fuel, the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is a spark that ignites the fire. Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The fire was ignited. When we sit down to read the Word, we need to ask the Holy Spirit for understanding and revelation of the Scriptures. He is always at the ready to assist you. At the ready means prepared or available for immediate use. Hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit is always there. He is literally standing there waiting to say, hey, what does this mean? You can ask him. He's just right there. As I said earlier, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to ignite the fire. We need to put the fuel on the fire by taking the time to read the Word of God every day. You can't ignite a fire that has no fuel, amen? And you can't keep a fire burning that isn't being fed. So what happens to a fire that isn't being fed um, more fuel or wood? It goes out, starts to die. It's the same way with holy fire. If you're not feeding the fire every day with the word of God, the fire starts to dwindle. You notice you can feel all on fire. You can leave church on Sunday and like, yeah, I'm ready to go. And Monday comes, you're still kind of feeling it. Tuesday, Wednesday, you're kind of like, all right. You're kind of just dragging yourself. Ask yourself, though, have you been continuing to read the word of God? Have you been continuing to seek him? Um, that's a key in keeping the fire burning. We have to keep that fuel on there. And again, nobody can feed the fire for you. You have to do it yourself. I have to do it myself. The Holy Spirit is willing and waiting for us to ask him to ignite us. How much do you want it? Lastly, fire needs oxygen. People used to use and still do use um, bellows to blow extra oxygen onto the embers of a fire. A pair of bellows was constructed to furnish a strong blast of air, so when you push it, pull it apart, push it together, it would suck in the oxygen and blow it out, and then the flames would grow hotter. um, The oxygen from the bellows was used or is used to regulate the heat that is produced by the fire. The more oxygen being blown on the fire, the hotter the fire becomes. The oxygen is what keeps the fire burning. Without oxygen, the fire dies out and begins to smolder. It's not real nice to sit in front of a smoldering fire, is it? It's much more pleasant to be in front of a bright, crackling, burning fire. For holy fire, we need oxygen as well. And that oxygen source comes from prayer. Prayer is the oxygen to holy fire. Prayer is that strong blast of air. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17-19 Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Oswald Chambers um, stated this quote, um, Prayer is the vital breath of the Christian, not the thing that makes him alive, but it's the evidence that he is alive. And I thought that was a pretty amazing 
So prayer is just our everyday breathing. When we're breathing, that's what prayer is like when we're praying. It's just that breath to the word. When you pray, you are breathing. You are taking in the vital element that refreshes, restores, and refuels the fire that has been lit in you. And just as in the natural, no one can breathe for you. You have to do it yourself. Amen. You have to fill your lugs. Take that breath and fill your lungs. It's your responsibility to pray, to, to blow that blast of air from prayer onto the holy fire in you. And your prayer regulates the heat of the holy fire. The more you pray, the hotter the fire burns. Amen? As we put all three of these elements together, the word of God, the Holy Spirit, and prayer, we have all the properties of holy fire. Can you switch that, Susan, for me? Yep. That's a pretty powerful visual, isn't it? We put all three of them together. The word of God fuels the fire that burns within you. If you feel that the fire is dwindling, ask yourself, have I placed any wood on my fire lately? Have I spent time reading, studying, and meditating on the word of God? Have I continued to stay yielding to the Holy Spirit? Or have I grieved him in some way? Have I spent time in prayer and seeking the kingdom of God and basking in his goodness and holiness? Or have I turned my focus onto myself and worldly things and my own personal gain instead of onto the kingdom of God? Matthew 6.33 tells us to seek first the kingdom of God. So when our holy fire is lit, we need to keep the fans flamed in order to keep the fire burning big and bright by the word of God, by prayer, and by continually yielding to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is so very sensitive. Our anger, our bitterness, unforgiveness, sin, or even the smallest attitude we get in can quench the Holy Spirit and cause him to be grieved. He doesn't leave. He just kind of backs up and says, okay, are you done yet? Is she done yet with that attitude or whatever it is? Um, and then he'll come back when we ask him, but we have to, we have to ask him to come back too because it's like, okay, I'm done, I'm sorry. And I've had to do that lots and lots of times, um, as I'm sure everybody can relate to. <laughs> this morning maybe, you know, you don't know. <laughs> it's just lots of things, right? Yep. And it's amazing. He is just, you know, if you've ever watched a dove, any bird really, but a dove out, you know, in the wild, you walk up to it. And it doesn't take much to spook it. And the Holy Spirit, the same way, can be praising the Lord and singing a praise song. And just in your car, someone cuts you off. And you're like, whoa. Kind of get an attitude, right? (laughs) So, But then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, well, where's that presence? I don't feel it right now. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry. So... Little, little things, the Holy Spirit is so very sensitive. He lives and dwells in holiness and purity. So if you're doing something that is sinful or unholy, he will not and cannot be a part of that. He will simply be grieved and he'll retreat. And that's when the flames of the fire begin to be quenched. Like when you have a, a natural fire and it's burning and you throw some wet leaves and grass on it, it's kind of stinky, right? It starts getting smoky and stinky and yucky. Um, and it gives off, you know, yeah, it's just awful. Ephesians four thirty through 32, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. 
Let all bitterness and wrath and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Guard your hearts and deal with offenses quickly. We don't deal with those offenses quickly. They can take a bitter a root and just begin to grow a root of bitterness, and it's, it makes it harder and harder and harder and harder to move on past that. Another thing that's vital to keeping the fire ablaze is keeping your flames close to other flames. Being around others who are on fire, attending a church that is on fire. I am so thankful that this church is on fire, and I'm so thankful for Pastor Gary and Pastor Michelle for keeping this church ablaze. <laughs> James 3.5, a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. When our fire comes alongside another person who's on fire, and then alongside another person, and another, and another, the flames just grow bigger and brighter and hotter. And that's why the word says to be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we exhort one another in the Lord, it builds us up and it fans the flames in them to continue. And it fans the flames in you as well, because as you're speaking the word of God, you ever notice as you just speak the word of God, it can change circumstances in your life, because the word of God is alive. And when we come together and put our flames next to each other, together our flames burn bright to glorify Jesus, and we can ignite the world with this holy fire. We can take it and be a testimony wherever we go. So I'd mentioned earlier about talking about how much do you want it. And personally, I have been asking the Lord for many things lately, one of which has been an increase in holy fire in my life. And I've been asking that his holy fire would consume me in every area of my life. I've been asking him to come in, that I'm just opening every door, every door in my heart, in my mind, in my spirit, and he just come in and consume me. And I remember just sitting one morning asking him and asking him and asking him all of these different things. Then I was quiet, and I heard him say, it was very serious when he said it, but it was very loving as well, how much do you want it? How bad do you want it? Because it's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you everything. I was kind of taken back by it for a minute, like, because it was a serious moment. Because, you know, we say that, yeah, okay, it's going to cost me everything. No, it's going to cost you everything. Your mindsets, your attitudes, your heart, your soul, everything. And I realized he's willing to give me whatever I ask him in Jesus' name, but it's going to cost me my life. I have to die to myself, to all selfish ambitions, to any area of my life that may be unholy. My thought life, unforgiveness, anger, whatever it might be that isn't righteous, everything. But I also knew that as I was willing to give up everything, that what God was going to fill me with exceeded anything I would have given up. So I always felt like I didn't fit in most of my life. And several years back, the Lord spoke to me and said, I didn't create you to fit in. (laughs) 
He said, I created you to be set apart for me. So, a lot of Christians are trying harder to fit in with the crowds of the world than with, than with what Scripture tells us to do. You are the only one that holds the power to change. How bad do you want it? Sure, you can go about your daily life and your daily routine. You can be a good Christian and do nice things for people and lead a good life. But are you truly surrendered? Even to the point of sacrifice, are you truly seeking him, Jesus, with all your heart? Are you running after him or are you just kind of lagging behind? Saying, someday I'll catch up with them. Someday I've got time. I've got other things. I've got my own agenda right now. Jesus will still be there. He'll wait. And it reminds me of the parable of the ten virgins who took their lamps to go out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and took their lamps, but took no oil with them. The other five were very wise and took oil and flask along with their lamps. And while they were waiting for the bridegroom, they became very tired and began to sleep. There was a shout at midnight, Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. The wise virgins had more than enough oil, but the foolish ran out. They wanted the wise to give them some of their oil. But the wise ones told them to go buy some for themselves. And it reminds me too, you know, no one can do it for you. And that's what this is saying. They couldn't do it for them. They had to do it themselves. While they were gone to purchase some oil, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went into the wedding feast, and the door was shut. The others asked the bridegroom to open the door for them, but he responded, saying that he did not know them. We do not know the day or the hour, church, that the bridegroom will return, when Jesus will return. Will we be ready? Will we be eagerly awaiting him? Jesus is coming for those who are eagerly awaiting him. For those who are burning red hot with holy fire. For those who are running after him. Amen. We often get so distracted with our daily routines and our to-do list and money and success, phones, technology, computer games, etc., whatever it is, that we're not seeking the Lord about his plans for our day. We should start each day by asking, Lord, what are your plans for this day? What, What is your will for this day for me? What do you have for me today, not the other way around? Probably most of us, we get up in the mornings and we just go about our stuff or make our coffee, do whatever it is that we do, and we don't even acknowledge him. And I, a few years back, I got this picture of getting up in the morning and Jesus standing there waiting and walking right by him. That was a powerful And there's very few mornings that I get up and I don't go, thank you, Jesus. Good morning, Jesus. Um, So we have to think about that. You know, we get out of our bed. He's standing there waiting, waiting for you. God knows we have responsibilities, but when we seek his kingdom and his will for us for the day, his plans and purposes for us, God honors everything that we do, or he honors our responsibilities. He knows, and he fits it all together, but when we're seeking his kingdom first, he just lines everything else up. 
All of our to-do lists and our strivings aren't going to matter in the least when we stand before the Father and the judgment seat. But But what will matter, first of all, is have we surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ and made him Lord of our lives? And then he will also ask us, what have you done with what I gave you? To each of us, he's given a measure of gifts and talents. What are you doing with them? Are you ignoring them? Are you using them for your own selfish gain? Or are you investing them into the kingdom purposes? 1 Timothy four fourteen through 16 says, Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Take pains with these things and be absorbed in, the, absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation for both you and those who hear you. So we're walking when God, where God has us. It not only blesses us, it blesses others around us, amen, and it, we can exhort everyone else and bring them to the Lord. As I mentioned earlier, it's not real pleasant to sit by a smoldering fire. For one, it doesn't smell very good. And secondly, it doesn't keep you very warm. It's much more enjoyable to be sitting in front of a hot burning fire. Revelations 3.14 speaks of the church in Laodicea. The Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. These days we are living in church are so important. We need to be sure that we are ignited with holy fire. And not only ignited, but burning, red hot, and on fire for the Lord. It is vital. The Lord gives the precious gift of his Holy Spirit to each of us as we surrender our lives to Jesus and make him Lord of our lives, and we follow him. We don't want Jesus to find us lukewarm when he returns. He's given us a warning here. Let's heed the warning. Jesus gave his very life for you and for me. How can we not be surrendered to him completely? It's time, church. It's time to step up. It's time to wake up. It's time to allow the Holy Spirit complete access to your heart, your soul, and your spirit, and let him engulf you with his consuming fire. I was, I was writing some of this last night. And when the Lord had given me the part about how can we not surrender to him, I had these very vivid pictures, if you've ever seen The Passion, that movie, but I had pictures like that, but even on a greater scale, of the suffering that Jesus went through and the beatings and that he was beaten beyond recognition. And I just think... How can I not surrender to you? How can I not do everything you're asking me to do? How can we not, church? How can we not step up to the plate? Jesus gave his very life for you and for me. How can we not be completely surrendered?
Hebrews 12.29 says that our God is a consuming fire. And if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today would be a beautiful day to surrender your life to him. He surrendered his life for you. I know I said this already, but I'm going to repeat it. He suffered violence and beatings and scourging and a horrendous death that no one here could even begin to imagine. He was beaten beyond recognition and placed on the cross. And you might ask, why would somebody do that? Why? For you. For each and every one of you, for me. To save us from an eternal hell and to bring us into and share with him. He's going to share with us his eternal kingdom, heaven, to live with him forever and ever. He's knocking on the door of your hearts and he wants so badly to come in and have sweet fellowship with you. He loves you so much. But when we give our lives to Jesus, he gives us so much more in return. Amen. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So he had all of you marked and chosen as his. Before the creation of the world, he handpicked each one of you and marked you for his own, and set you apart. His love for you is greater than anything you could ever imagine. That's a love you've never experienced before, ever. And what's amazing, it's an overwhelming love, and we can't even begin to grasp it here in the natural, because we couldn't couldn't take it. It's hard enough some days, you know. Um, So we can't even imagine when we get to heaven what it's going to be like to be in that presence of that love. Wow. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And so we give our lives to Christ. We don't have to be afraid because it's him then that lives in us and that carries us through everything that we need.
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away, and behold, new things have come. There's a bunch of scriptures the Lord gave me last night. I'm just wanting to share the ones he's wanting me to right now. And another thing for us to think about in Matthew 6.24, no one can serve two masters. You can't serve the world and you can't serve the Lord. You're going to have to make a choice. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. You shall be holy, for I am holy. I have two more that I need to share. 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and you have been bought with a price. Your freedom wasn't free, right? There was a huge price paid for you. In Romans 12, 1 through 2, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. One more. (laughs) And this is an exhorting scripture, and it just, this is who you are. 1 Peter 2.9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim his excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And that's where the Lord has called each of us. as we said, no one can do any of these things for you. These are things that you have to do yourself. I can't do it for you. Your husband can't do it for you. Your kids can't do it for you. Your friend can't do it for you. You have to make that choice, and you have to step up and say yes to what the Lord's calling you to do. We have a responsibility Are we going to step up to the plate? Or are we going to just keep letting life go by? 
and then the door is shut. And it's too late, and you're like, but Lord, I had this to do. And he says, doesn't matter. I had this for you to do. It's time to make a choice. It's time to make a decision, and it's time to be bold and step up to be the mighty men and women of God that God has called you to be. Amen. And it's time to stop playing church. It's time to start being the church. So I'm going to give an opportunity. Um, I know we're wrapping up a little bit early, but I don't know what the Lord has here. Um, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity right now to receive him. And in a few moments, I'm going to ask you to take a huge step and come down to the altar over here. And we'll pray with you. Also, if you've walked away from the Lord, have been a backslidden, just kind of way, and you want to renew your commitment to the Lord, we'd like to give you an opportunity to come down for prayer as well. We'll have some ministry team members here to pray with you. And this call... If you're really serious about being ignited with holy fire, no half-heartedness, people. (laughs) Really serious, because it's going to cost you everything. Everything. So if you're really serious and you want to be ignited with holy fire, I'm going to ask you to come and just line up along the front here, and we're going to anoint you with oil and lay hands on you, and we're going to ignite that holy fire in you through the Holy Spirit. But you got to remember, the spark only starts the fire, amen? You have to have the responsibility to keep feeding it and to keep blowing the oxygen on it with your prayers. It's completely up to you to keep it burning. How bad do you want it? Because it's going to cost you everything. A life totally and completely surrendered to the Holy Spirit. We're going to play a little song and... um. I want you to kind of just listen to the song, and as you're feeling led, um, if you're wanting to give your life to the Lord or renew your commitment to the Lord, I'm going to ask you to come over to this side here. And if you're wanting to be ignited with holy fire, say we just fill up over here. But listen to the song, and as you're feeling led, just come on up and as the Lord leads. <laughs> 